Mana 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 this is social discasting. Welcome to Social Discasting, a podcast where my guests and I discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves. I am Brandon, aka Brandon. Hope you're well. My guest is a comedian, actor, writer, and producer who has worked in one, some, or all of these capacities on Comedy Bang Bang, Brooklyn Nine Nine, and Love, and has an impressive array of award shows. Where he's now a mere Grammy and Tony away from having the elusive writing staff egot. Please welcome Neil Campbell. Welcome. Hey, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate your time. Uh, of course, yeah, no problem. So the uh, very fun, easy to ask, difficult to answer question: How are you? Hey, um, you know, I'm actually doing all right. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, doing my thing, doing got my routine. <laughs> <laughs> Have you managed to stay busy in all of this, or relatively busy? In um. All of this? Well, I mean, I was full-time working via Zoom Mm -hmm. between, uh, let's see, like uh, April to September, something like that. Yeah. Um, And so that was busy just in that I like sat down and was on my computer screen for, you know, eight hours a day or or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, Maybe a little less. And so... I haven't been, yeah, in a doing like a full time room since then, but you know, just yeah, trying to work on other things and and stuffs popped up here and there, and so um, yeah, you know, and then just try to have like a little routine where I, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> take a walk, uh, real exciting stuff, watch movies. You know, I'm pretty I'm pretty low maintenance with that stuff. Oh no, I completely relate to that too. But I know what you mean. Like I know for me. I don't know. It's weird that when, when when all this started, and granted, I was doing this under the auspices of, oh, this isn't going to last a year plus, because, good lord, I had no, not that anybody did, but no idea it would be like this. And in my head, I was like, you know what? I'm going to make sure that my routine is that I don't establish a routine. Keep it going, keep it fresh, that type of thing. And then, you know, cut to a year later, which I still can't even wrap my head around that sentence, but a year later, and I am clinging on to that for dear life. Yeah. Like, I have to have a routine more than ever, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there's just things where I'm like, oh, well, I feel good if I do this, or or, uh, or maybe the uh, almost more, if I don't do this, I know I'll feel bad. So, yeah, it just sort of becomes a thing where I try to to stay as occupied as I can without trying to, I don't know, bite off more than I can chew or try to th- think I'm going to, like do too much you know yeah exactly yeah yeah i'm just overtly manipulating myself at this point and uh so far so okay i guess i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i don't know have you found yourself like and maybe it's a bit of both but like returning to kind of like comfort things during all this or trying new things out for the sake of trying to i guess learn new things or get outside of those comfort zones well um i guess a little bit of both i like i would say I would say, uh, like, I mean, I just like watching movies. uh, And so I'm not someone who likes to just kind of go rewatch my old faves over and over and over. Yeah. Um, You know, maybe once every couple of years will I, like, revisit something that I really love. I mean, at best, you know. So for me, it sort of is a comfort or is a sort of routine to just try to like watch something new, watch something I haven't seen and 
you know, I mean, it's, I would say mostly with movies, but with reading or with music as well, um, or TV or something. So I'm a little less like, oh, time to rewatch The Office or, yeah. uh, although the, <laughs> that's it, I have watched some of The Office this spring, but, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I'm a peacock head, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, time, you know, so it's, so it's, uh, for me, it's, it, it the, the, trying the, uh, watching something I haven't seen or, or, or experiencing something I haven't seen, I guess, sort of is the comfort, uh, to me. But then I would say there also are like, like I genuinely, <laughs> genuinely as if like i'm secretly saying i <laughs> i hate but i was gonna say i i i'm saying genuine like i we don't even know what i'm saying yet and now i've given like two disclaimers i was gonna say i genuinely like really really love the sloppy boys podcast and um it's so good it's they they just like have such a great like rhythm and they're funny and ah you know it, it has a flow and it it it, it, it moves quickly and, and and those guys are just so funny um and so it's almost become a little routine. Like I'll be making dinner for myself on Friday and listen to the podcast as I like prepare a meal. So that's kind of uh, uh, maybe a small little like comfort routine. But yes, I'm saying genuinely, I'm not just shilling for my friends here uh, <laughs> uh, and I, secretly rolling my eyes at the podcast. I, I, I think it's great. No, I know exactly what you mean though. And I like little rituals like that too you know like little things that you can look forward to some kind of like light at the end of the tunnel so to speak but like with that show specifically it is yeah they have such a great rapport like you said but also they're just so delightfully silly yeah and it just makes me cackle to listen to them and also you know with the friday show too to learn about new cocktails and things which i always find stuff like that fun yeah i had never really had this experience before like you know of I've listened to, as everyone has, various radio shows over the years. Sometimes you had, you know, sports talk thing on or something. That's that's not my main thing, but certainly yeah. I've heard it. Um, or or any sort of call in program, and I've like never once had that urge to call in anywhere. And there are times listening to Sloppy Boys where, and it's I mean it's also because they're all very you know good friends of mine, but. Uh, it's the first time I've ever had the urge from like, oh, I wish I could just call in right now and be like, <laughs> what are you talking about or whatever? It's something yeah. like so in, in a in a loving way uh, where I'm like, oh, now I know why people have that urge. Like someone is just sitting at home or, is, or driving in their car and they listen to someone say something that they like want to chime in on about, you know, the Lakers or something. And they they. They're like, I got to call into this radio station. <laughs> I've never, never understood that urge until now. You saying that reminded me that I did call into a radio station one time when I was a kid. And it was that thing where I was trying to record, like record live songs from the radio onto a cassette tape to try to make some, I guess some like very cheap kind of like mixtape of sorts. And I called a radio station to request a song. Huh. And unbeknownst to me, it was like a be the ninth caller. And I was the night caller, and I won a gospel Whoa. album. Nice. <laughs> and but I was so I'm taken aback by it because that's not what my little child brain was anticipating. That I was like, "Oh no, thank you. Can I just have this song?" And they hung up and went to the next caller. It was a very confusing experience. That's funny. Yeah, I don't know why I just said that either. But here we are. <laughs> no, that's great. <laughs> I, I the only time I can think of when I was in college at the University of Iowa, 
the college radio station played a song once and I was uh, and I and I liked it and I and I called in I was like what was that song that you guys just played uh I, I wasn't on the air I just called the station I was like yeah. what's the song I was like eyesores or something and they're like oh it's called new slang by the shins oh. <laughs> and I wrote it down and that was the first I'd ever heard it yeah and in our pre-shazam days yes exactly <laughs> and, and pre-garden state you know days yeah oh they yes I know I have a pre-guardian state life and a post-garden state life exactly that is we are in a post-garden state world mm-hmm. <laughs> i do want to ask you this is uh when i was looking at your your imdb page one thing well a lot of things stood out but one thing i was like what does that entail was that you were a consulting writer on robin big yeah you know it's funny this has come up has it before really? I, I don't know if it's come up on a podcast but it's come up before and it is i honestly don't even know if, if I truly, however many episodes it says I'm credited on, I don't it was like even 22 know. 22 or something. Yeah, that's I don't know lot. if that's true. So <laughs> okay. what happened was in 2007, Paul Rust and I, Paul and I attended uh, University of Iowa together and we're, we're old, old friends. We were both working on this sketch pilot that Scott Ackerman and BJ Porter created called The Right Now Show, or I think eventually maybe they even just recalled it, renamed it comedy death ray but at the time it was called the right now show and it, uh, obviously it wasn't picked up but it was supposed to be like a fox like snl competitor type of thing although it is where between two ferns began that, that the very first between two ferns was oh, interesting was part of like the, the idea was sort of like different comedians would come on and do like a in addition to the cast like comedians would come on and do like a bit that's you know really a, a pre-tape yeah. thing and so that's the the between two ferns with zach and, and michael Sarah was filmed for that and so the pre-taped bits, there was like a live component and, and pre-taped stuff. The pre-taped sketches for this pilot were directed by Ruben Fleischer. Oh, yeah. Who, you know, yeah, went on to do Zombieland and Venom and all, all sorts of yeah. stuff, you know. Um, and he was great. I, I really, really enjoyed working with Ruben. And so after that pilot was done, Ruben was like a co-creator of Robin Big. Or, or some producer on it or something. You know, he, he was definitely like an exec over there, a creative exec. And so he said his normal like writers were going to be gone for a week. They, they had their own vacation or something and asked Paul and I if we would want to come in and just be like consulting writers for a week. And Paul and I said, sure. And we went in and... Ruben was like even like super busy that week so he would just like check in with us once in a while be like okay maybe like a list of things like they could do if they like camped in his backyard and I think even Ruben knew like I think he like we would make a list and it would take an hour you know and then like yeah. Paul and I would work on stuff we were working on together you know scripts and ideas and stuff and so I think even Ruben knew that yeah we were using that time to do our own thing but he was just being cool and being like hey I have this opportunity to give some friends a week of work and and why not and and he had liked working with us on the right now show uh and so we worked on it for one week i have no idea if they uh, i mean i think we only even came up with like the only thing i even recall is coming up with ideas for robin big camp in their rob's backyard or something and i don't <laughs> i and, and maybe we came up with some other ideas for some other episodes beyond just that one but that's all i remember uh, working on and so we were there five days we would give them lists of ideas and gags and jokes and stuff 
And then that was it. And then at some point, yeah, it showed up that I was like, that I'm a consulting producer or whatever it says on like 22 episodes of it. And so <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if that's true. If you actually looked at that, if they did put my name into the credits for everything, or if someone saw my name in the credits for like one episode and extrapolated, oh, I must be this on every episode this season yeah. and, and put it in there for everything. And I don't really have the interest in, I guess, <laughs> checking the, cred- the credits for all 22. So, uh, I mean, there's yeah. other stuff like, like Love even. I think I don't have like a IMDb credit that I have on the show of like consulting producer. So, you know, I think there's a lot of, uh, uh, I don't, I don't think IMDb is like a public utility that has gotten the fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, it is crazy how, like, I think it still says I'm like known for that or something. I'm like, I'm definitely not. I had nothing to do with (laughs) it. So yeah. Yeah. That is your, your four known fours are Brooklyn nine, nine producer and writer, the Oscars, Robin big and monsters university. Those are your four. Yes. Uh, which again, Monsters University was one day of going in and doing like a loop group recording thing. But, you know, makes sense, I guess. Let's say, what did that, yeah, what did that entail? Uh, just trying different voices and doing that? What, yeah, yeah it was like, um, it was like, so the, the director, Dan Scanlon, was a comedy fan of some sort <laughs> i believe and i think he had this idea at least as i understood it that that, that there's i think just sort of a, a very set loop group uh, that does a lot of stuff or maybe does a lot of stuff for pixar and he was like i want to get some different voices in there that you're not used to and and that don't just sound like the same loop group voices that we always hear in all of these movies i'm, I'm, I'm sure he used them as well because i'm sure yeah. they actually know what they're doing and are really good at it (laughs) uh but so then he like contacted uh he contacted ucb theater and and then a group of us went in and yeah it would just be like okay now you're the group reacting to like them coming back uh or them them during a competition you're cheering them on yeah. Or now, or now one of them's done something embarrassing. You're all kind of and and then there would be a few different like okay, we just need can everyone just take a crack at like whatever saying this one wild line of like over here or something like that or coming up you know whatever yeah. things like that. <laughs> so it was just a group of us. So we just went into a, a recording soundstage and recorded a bunch of stuff like that. I was gonna say, does that mean that you went to the? I've seen photos and video and stuff of the. The Pixar campus or whatever? No, I mean, we didn't go to like Emeryville in Northern California. We were in like, I think on the Disney Studios lot. I I can't quite remember in in Burbank. I think just, I mean, maybe we were even just at a like recording studio somewhere. But I think think we were on the Disney lot in Burbank, uh, you know, yeah, on an audio soundstage. Okay. I was just randomly thinking, well, not randomly thinking at all. Very specifically thinking, you've written for all these different award shows. What is that? I guess that I don't have a good question for this. What is the general process of that? Is it, I mean, you're in a writer's room and you're throwing out jokes, I guess, depending on what the scenario is or, or the bit, I suppose. Yeah. And it kind of depends on who the host is and what the sort of game plan is. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, the Emmys were like the most I ever worked on, like anything. <laughs> like, I feel like, really? I, I feel like I worked like, uh, and whatever there's there's people across the country that have <laughs> that work way harder than this but but for, I mean, I just for work, what you're doing yeah yeah for my lazy ass i i worked like 
I think like 21 straight days leading up to it. Like it was just like our weekends with like the pre-tapes and, and all this stuff. And so, um, and that was after months of working on it. And so, uh, you know, that was one where it was like, yeah, we're going to do a big pre-tape uh, and we're going to, that opens the show and there's going to be a few like different filmed bits, you know, pre-tape bits throughout the show. And then there's the live bits and he yeah. moves around and he's in different places on the stage or backstage or in the audience and who's nominated, who's there, what are different bits, you know? So it was mostly just like coming up with a bunch of material and figuring that out. There was stuff like that with Chris Rock on the Oscars, but there was also a major focus on the monologue, which obviously is like what people wind up, I think, yeah, you know, discussing a lot after awards shows and so um like chris rock was going out to stand-up clubs and uh testing out the material you know in, in like at the the improv or or i think it's the improv, you know yeah yeah, okay, yeah yeah or like uh the i forget what the one's called in pasadena the ice one oh the ice house ice house yeah i think that's where we went but okay you know i was i was on that because chris rock had liked the Emmys, which were a few months earlier and called Andy and Andy recommended Scott and I. And, and so we worked on that, but that had a huge staff and, and people who really knew, you know, like Chris's Chris Rock's voice and, and yeah. like, or like, you know, comedy writers he had worked with for years. And it was really nice of him to bring us on. And, and it was cool to be a part of that process and, uh, uh, you know, go to the different clubs and see him test out the material and all of that. You know, I tried to contribute what I can, but, you know, and I think there were a few, a couple little pre-tapes in that as well. But, uh, you know, just, just chipped in where I could on that one. Whereas the Emmys, like Scott and I were like the head writers of that. So that was a lot more, uh, a lot more work. And then, you know, like a Golden Globes or something was, is, uh, it's like right after the holidays. And I mean, people are emailing in jokes and that was just, that one was run differently as well. And yeah. so, you know, they, they just kind of all are are a little different with the Emmys and you being kind of more the head writer and you guys are running the ship as it were. So does that mean that, that you were, I mean, granted you had so much logistically to do writing wise and coming up with all these different pre-tapes and everything before that. But the night of was that also just an intense night of kind of being on call at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the nice thing is like, there wasn't like a ton of like, what just happened? We got to come back with the greatest <laughs> quip ever about that. I, and, and I know that the, is, those are moments people enjoy in award yeah. shows. And I think there was, you know, I think like Andy came up with, as I recall, uh, after John Hamm won. And it was like for the final season of Mad Men and he had never won. And I think Andy came up with a bit where he's like, oh man, I was pulling for Kyle Chandler or something, something <laughs> yeah. like that. And uh yeah. You know, that was off the cuff, but that was that was just Andy came up with that. And so, um, you know, it was supposed to kind of like following him around. <laughs> I don't know. Like yeah. you just would be worried that like my concern was more you kind of never know when someone's going to get up and give like a really emotional speech. Uh, we had like a lot of dumb comedy planned. And so <laughs> it would just be more like and, we, and we, this didn't wind up happening, but it was just trying to be a little bit more aware of like, oh, if someone just pour their heart out at, about some really deeply personal issue. And we're supposed to be immediately after that doing like the silliest thing. We, we may want to 
yeah, abort. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, uh, uh, gauging gauging the tone of it. Yeah, yeah, but but that didn't happen, so it all worked out. But uh, yeah, so but it was fun. I mean, it it was so much work. I remember I was kind of like, oh, I'm never gonna do another award show, and then like. Yeah, and then I got, like, a call from Chris Rock, and I'm like, yes, I'll do whatever. <laughs> uh, and then after that was done, I was like, all right, I'll never do another orange show. And then Andy was like, I'm going to host the Golden Globes. I was like, all right. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'll do another one at some point. This is unrelated to that, but how are your Washington Capitals doing? Oh, very good question. You know what's funny? Um, the, the After they won the Stanley Cup, <laughs> I will say my, I was like, Okay, I got the reward. I put in yeah. 24 years or whatever it was of like <laughs> of following these guys and reading for them. And uh, I <laughs> and like I will say my interest sort of dipped. I was like, I got it. That's all I wanted. I would say for years. I was like, I just want them to win it once. That's all. <laughs> and then they did. And I was like, great. I can kind of move on with my life. And uh, so I haven't followed as closely, although I have watched... And then also, yes, well, I haven't followed this closely. I've watched a, a little bit this year. It felt like they started really good, but it seems like they have no defense and are constantly giving up goals is is my understanding, which, uh, or maybe it's their two rookie goaltenders since they were supposed to have Lundqvist, you know, and he re- or had the heart surgery. So uh, I, I, I think they're, they're, you know, they got the new coach. I think they're, their offense is clicking and the defense not as much, but I actually haven't, the last few games, I haven't really like uh, watched highlights or read recaps or anything, so I'm not quite sure. Um, no. I imagine, though, to your point, like it, I, it always made me think about how uh, I imagine that is kind of. I bet some like diehard, lifelong Cubs fans even were like, "Oh, thank God!" Yeah, you know, they won theirs after so long. I think like a century at that point. And at a certain point, you're just like, "Okay, okay, you can relax the shoulders. That was good." After all this time, it's like, "Okay, everything else is just." kind of gravy at this point yeah yeah and i think like i still have fun watching a game like if i have nothing going on and a game comes is on and i'm in the right mood for it i'll certainly put it on but um, yeah i i think that i also you know i think there was a period of time where i was like like okay there's a caps game coming on i'm gonna watch you know and now i'm like oh there's something i should be doing or i just kind of would rather be doing and it's easy enough for me to do that instead of watching a game it's not a yeah it's, I'm not uh, tortured by the decision. <laughs> it's nice to see, um, honestly, like, uh, again, I don't know a lot about hockey in Italy, but to see Ovechkin get that, I mean, to cap off, uh, pun unintended, an incredible <laughs> career. I mean, he seemed to have everything else going on under the sun for everything he did with his career. So that's kind of like, oh, that's a that's a not a legacy maker, but definitely puts him up the ranks of an all-timer, I would imagine. Yeah, and I would say growing up outside DC, I had just kind of gotten like, like the I think you know in '91 the Washington football team won the Super Bowl, <laughs> yeah. and that was like a big deal. But I was so fairly young, and um, I mean I remember it, but I it, whatever I didn't have like years of heartache or anything <laughs> prior to that. And I was really into the Baltimore Orioles growing up and, and, and the Capitals. And just there was just constantly like, especially those 90s Orioles teams, um, you know, with like Jeffrey Mayer and stuff. <laughs> it was just <laughs> yeah. constantly like almost good enough, but not quite. And 
I had just gotten so used to that and the Capitals just kept like being so good and then losing and stuff that yeah it was it had just become like a, a mindset rooting for teams from that city had installed them even like going to University of Iowa who while I was there were like absolutely terrible at football like after that they got pretty good but they would still not cut like oh they might make a bowl but they'll lose the bowl game or yeah, whatever yeah. you know and so like they've maybe been consistent or something but again that's not one i've followed as as uh, very closely uh but like the years general by but just yeah so to finally have one guy like win one team win <laughs> and a guy who i think had sort of taken on like the reputation that i feel like a lot of the just i had internalized from rooting for dc and and baltimore kind of area teams <laughs> was was like oh my gosh it's possible you actually can win one we're not yeah. just like the way whatever penguins fans would just feel like, yeah no cup no rings no cup you know and you yeah. gotta be like yeah it's true and it hurts that they said that i wish they had it you know so well it is a wild thing to to be somebody who you know statistically like he was you know pri- prior to winning it but like just to be an all-timer statistically but without that championship yeah and what that means for, you know, for somebody's quote unquote legacy to be like a Marino or a Carl Malone or a, yeah. a Barkley, you know, and it's like you can be statistically the greatest at everything, but it feels like there's some implied asterisk, yeah. asterisk there. And so that's huge. You know? Yeah, for sure. And like that whole celebration, I mean, I I would like to think I would I would have thought that's pretty entertaining no matter who had one like just that they went through the streets of the city and got drunk and danced in fountains <laughs> and stuff i was just like man i didn't know this was like a possibility that like teams <laughs> could be doing this like why isn't every team just like carrying the stanley cup into bars and down the street and he stuff? was drunk for like, literally two weeks yeah I think. yeah which i mean again that was quite the tension release for him too yeah as much as it was for the fans yeah yeah uh yeah, it was great. It was it was it was so fun. Earlier, you were talking about uh, watching movies, and that was kind of something, or, or watching new ones too, as opposed to like kind of more consistently revisiting things yeah. you've seen. Or, or are, new to me might be the yeah. Uh, best okay, part. well, yeah. fair enough. What's some of the stuff you've been watching? You know what? I had already listened to some Quentin Tarantino interview. I think it was like old. It was I think it was promoting Hateful Eight. So so okay. You know, fair, not, not even like a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I mean, and, he had, and he had recommended a few things. And I was like, oh, I'm, I should watch. Uh, I haven't seen these. I should watch. And I just wrote them down. And then, I mean, this is like literally within the last week, there was like this big three-hour Edgar Wright, Quentin Tarantino. I listened to that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wrote some of those down too. It's, yes. And I did too. So I've been watching some of those off of that list um, and just some other stuff like that. I'd had a few like blind spots for in my, yeah. like I had, I had like Fellini was like a weird blind spot for me in like my film history. And, and the, the, I'd seen La Strada and Satyricon oddly. And I had yeah. never, and so over the last, I don't know, month, month and a half, I've watched the Dolce Vita and eight and a half. See, that's a blind spot for me too. I, those are, the exact ones that I've are like dustily on my list that I have to knock off. Yeah. And I, um, in the 
this was a little further back, but in the fall, I, I like to look at, you know, the different like lists, like that, the sight and sound lists and stuff and, Me too. and see like, oh, do I have any, yeah, where are my big blind spots or, and, and kind of the more like weird or obscure or challenging something seems, the more <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this one. Yeah. Um, so I watched uh, that, like, I, I don't know how to pronounce it, Satan Tang it's satan tango is how it's spelled satan tango yeah i know uh, what you're talking about. the like seven hour hungarian film uh that that was it was on the criteria criterion channel in the fall i watched that i i, I did split it up over a couple of nights but i watched that <laughs> one um and i watched I, I never watched much like dryer if that's how you pronounce it so i watched Ordet. so so those are some of the ones and then like uh oh and then like i mean literally last night i watched uh, Green for Danger and Queen of Spades because they had recommended it on that on that Edgar Wright uh, Quentin Tarantino podcast that they'd recommended both of those and they were great they they really are great yeah I kind of wrote down I was like pausing a lot and writing down as we we're talking about different things like uh, tonight I was thinking about watching Rolling Thunder which is like one of the first ones yeah they mentioned and I I just hadn't seen that movie yeah I haven't seen that one either I feel like when I looked it up it was only available on disc maybe at the time and so which I would be happy to purchase, but I also have a hundred other things that I have I know. access to currently. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I watched... Uh, what else did I... I watched Floating Weeds recently. Um, I feel like there was... Yeah. I watched the Elaine May movie that she wrote and directed and co-stars in. Oh. A New Leaf. Oh, okay, which, yeah, I haven't seen that. I, I've seen Mikey and Nikki. Uh, yeah, oh, I, and I saw that for the first time just this last year. And it's it's unbelievable. I, I was completely. I've never seen anything quite like it. Yeah, there was some scene in Mikey and Nikki where I was like, I think that movie is scripted, and it just seems like it's not. But at there all, was some it's scene really where I was like, this should just be shown in like acting one hundred and one classes. <laughs> like the scene is like him. I think trying to let him convince him to let him into the room. Yes, <laughs> it's just like you could just like chart it and write down like here's his tactic change here you know okay i know it is objectivist he wants him to let him into the room his tactic here is uh pleading with them now his tactic is threatening now his <laughs> tactic like it was just yeah. so like <laughs> it was like textbook of every little method yeah yeah to yeah. try to do that I, I thought that movie i don't know how to describe it in, in that when i was watching it i was marveling at just like like what is this in the best way possible and their relationship, I knew that they were friends in real life. And with something like that, they have to be. Yeah. Because it's just the, the vulnerability each of them are showing individually, let alone collectively. I just think it's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that movie is. It's it's so stellar. I mentioned this on a show before when we talked about this specific movie. But there's a piece of trivia from that movie that absolutely delights me. And that was, and this is the trivia, it's that... Peter Falk was convinced that Ned Beatty was the brother of Warren Beatty. And when he found out they were born only a few months apart, he broke out into hives with embarrassment and they stopped production for the day. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I didn't know that. I mean, it's so good. That's great. I'm sure I thought that like, right up. I mean, I remember I went to, when I went to college and I, I did you go to film school or, or I didn't, I'm just a fan. I was just a fan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
not that I, I that sounds so like I'm being elitist about it. I, no, it, no. it was just making me, I, I have no, I've probably never once asked that question in my life. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, it's an honor. uh, I, I was just, uh, I had a professor whose last name was Altman in, in college. And yeah, I remember at, before I took the class, I, thinking, I was like, I wonder if he's related to Robert Altman, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I don't think so. Um, <laughs> I'd say I, I imagine somebody in that position would tell you you would not it would be unquestionable if yeah. that were the case in that case. Also, I feel like if you were interested in film and you were related to Robert Altman, probably the last place you'd be is teaching film at Iowa. Like it's it's <laughs> almost it's it's the the it's probably the la- the least likely person to be related to Robert Altman is like <laughs> a film study like erudite film studies professor at you know. In the middle of the country, oh, far from like showbiz. What's funny is I did watch. I kind of randomly found myself as I would watch just whatever movie, generally a, a lot of seventies stuff. Last year that I would go down and watch at least like two or three movies from the filmography of that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like to do that too. Yeah, and Altman was one of them for sure. To where I was yeah. just kind of knocking things off. Oh, you know, yeah, I watched. Um, I had never seen Three Women, uh, and I watched that. I mean. At this point, it was like July or something, but certainly yeah. during during uh, the pandemic, and I loved it. I, I I think it's great. That that's just sort of like it's it's hard to define that slippery kind of like. Well, it's it's not quite reality. It's a little dreamlike. Yeah. You know, I um the you know I think yeah I think people say like Eyes Wide Shut has a quality like that as well. You know, and and David Lynch work certainly. Absolutely. Um, I just watched this movie on the, you know, the, the, is on Criterion channel, uh, Ministry of Fear, the Fritz Lang movie. Yeah, that's that's been on my list too. That, how was that? The first 20 or so minutes of that were exactly like that. I was like, how have I never heard of this? It's like, is this happening? Is it not? I mean, it helps that yeah. the very first scene is a guy uh, being released from an insane asylum. <laughs> so you're like, okay. <laughs> and then it's so weird for like 20 minutes. Um, and I was like, so like during that time, I was like, this is amazing. And, and then, you know, as opposed to something like three women that lives in that realm, it, it, it sort of starts, uh, explaining some stuff. If anything, it took me like an adjustment of like, okay, is this still, yeah. Uh, okay. No, I'm supposed to take this at face value, you know? And so, <laughs> uh, it, it kind of takes then an hour to, to make sense of things but uh uh and it was still enjoyable i still actually really liked it a lot but those first 20 minutes i was like oh i just love this kind of weird like i'm not sure what's real or what's not <laughs> yeah. or also none of it's real it's a movie so it's it's able to like just be in the sandbox of like yeah i, I don't know either <laughs> like it's just <laughs> it's kind of is and isn't real i mean eight and a half it, it does that as well you know, with his stuff, of what I kind of watched with him, I hadn't seen California Split before. And I really enjoyed that. That was that was great. And, you know, McCabe and Miss Miller, I rewatched, which also was great. A mash, you know, pretty much kind of the, the big hits, I suppose. Yeah. Nashville, Nashville, I realized I hadn't seen all the way through. And I thought it just unbelievable. Yeah. McCabe and Miss Miller, I love. Long Goodbye, I love. Um Yes. Yeah, California Split's great. That was at uh I remember that's I saw that on my birthday. Um it was showing at 
Cinefamily when that existed in LA yeah. a few years ago. And um, uh, yeah, I remember my, it was, I think sold out. And then I had a friend who was a little more connected and it was my birthday. And so he was able to get me a couple tickets. And so um, it's, a, it's a nice, it's a nice birthday viewing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so I, so I went and saw that uh, uh, and had never seen that before. Yeah. That was totally fun. That was great. There's a documentary on him that's really, it's not like, re, you know, revelatory necessarily, but it kind of goes through some of his movies and the trajectory of his career. It's it's good. Oh, cool. What's it called? I, I think it's just, I honestly, I think it's just called Altman. Altman. Okay, cool. I got to look that up. I just watched that Ursula K. Le Guin documentary. I don't know. Really? What is that? Uh, I don't know about that. It's, I feel like it's just called like the world's first Ursula K. Le Guin. It's, it's okay. like maybe just over an hour long. It's not very long, but it has a lot of, you know, it's interviews with Neil Gaiman and, uh, and her, it, it was, it was made when she was alive. Um, although I think it was released posthumously. I didn't uh, see that. But, uh, uh, David Mitchell, uh, you know, Cloud Atlas and stuff. So it's interviewed in it and, and a bunch of bunch of interesting writers and 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 yeah, her as well. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. That. Awesome. It's on. Uh, I I take a lot of advantage of the Canopy app. Do you use that one at all? I that's one that I've been meaning to get on for a yeah, long time. Yeah, it's because it's free if you have a library card. So yeah, I've heard, I've heard it's that the library of things they have to offer is just fantastic. It's pretty great. Yeah, that, there's definitely, I mean, that's where I watched Queen of Spades. Like there's definitely okay. stuff on it that that is the only place you can find it unless you physically owned it, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, because I'm on, not the same thing, but I'm also, I, I have the Criterion channel. Yeah. And there are so many, so much good stuff on there, but sometimes when there's just one specific thing I want to watch, it never seems to be on there for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely tough stuff. And, and sometimes there's things that, you know, that are on their collection that are you know, like a new release Blu-ray. So they, it's, it's, that's like the only way to watch it. You know? Yeah. Like I, I remember when I wanted to see Rebecca or whatever, a few years ago, I just bought the Blu-ray because that was, it was newly released and it was the only, only way to watch. Um, but yeah, but it is funny too, because they have obviously all those different little collections on, on the Criterion channel and, that get promoted when you, you know, if you get the emails or turn on the thing and, and you're like, oh, maybe I should watch whatever, a Peter yeah. Sellers comedy or something. <laughs> um, and then it'll be funny, like, after I listened to that podcast, I was like, well, they really loved Green for Danger. I got to look up Green for Danger. <laughs> and then it was like Criterion. I was like, oh, I, 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 that's great. I have it. I'll watch it there. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I'm sure they have like a bunch of stuff just in the cracks of it that I'm that I would oh, love same. that I'm unaware of because they haven't been one of like the featured uh, programs over the last few months. You know, like HBO Max has a deceptive amount yeah. of like classics, but also kind of deep cutty stuff too. It, it's a deceptively good library. Yeah. Yeah. Although I do get a little, uh, look, I, I'm sure if I even sit here and thought about it, I could kind of understand the, why this works this way, but they have as one of their little things within it, like TCM, but yes. then there's like separate movies that are on the watch TCM app. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but they don't overlap or, or maybe there's some overlap, but they don't 100% overlap. And so, yes, anyway, that's, that's a small, I'm like, I, I, this, this, the corporate synergy of it. I'm like, but I guess if your watch TCM is the stuff that is literally airing, I think on TV that month. So whatever, I, I get it. I get it, I guess. <laughs> but, um, 
that that's, the wizarding world of IP. Yeah, I can't keep up with it. Yeah, that, of that, where is what when where? Yeah, that um, there's that web. Uh, I think there's an app as well. I, I just will go to the URL uh, for just watch that to try to figure out where things are. Yeah, uh, you know where where they're, uh, what streaming service they're on. But even that, I'll find like if so, if it says something is on watch tcm i think watch tcm's like turnover must be like crazy fast because <laughs> i'll be like oh cool it's on watch tcm and then i'll go look and like no it is not on watch tcm so as if like their licensing deal expires the second it's done playing on the channel or something i think i i mean i think that's probably something like it yeah it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> this is <laughs> this. I mean, look, this is the kind of conversation I have all the time and I enjoy having. But I, 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 I feel I, I, I no. hope your listeners aren't bored to tears right now as two guys with no actual knowledge of how the licensing <laughs> agreements for a little <laughs> watched streaming platform discuss how it might operate. As I'm speaking in the most tentative words possible, like, yeah, yeah no, I can see yeah, no, yeah, I yeah, me that, too. Yeah. Oh, you speculate. <laughs> even if I knew, no one would give a shit. <laughs> no. no, and even if I knew, I still wouldn't have the confidence to speak yeah. definitively either way. So, yeah, yeah, this works out perfectly. But um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. So, this is, all good. we'll wrap it up on that. But um, what all, if anything, do you want to point people toward? Um, let's see. What do I want to point people Your toward? episodes of Robin Big, right? Or... <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. If they ever camped in their backyard, I might have <laughs> I might have pitched something on that. Um I, I mean honestly I, I'm having a lot of fun listening to the Sloppy Boys. I'd say check that out. They got a Patreon. Absolutely. Uh and, and my friends uh uh Paul and Mike, Don't Stop or Will Die, they have a patreon and a fun podcast too uh yeah every wednesday their podcast yeah where, where they have a new song um it's great and and yeah i went to college with both those guys and uh yeah so i'd say those those two things i've been listening to a lot I, and i didn't mean to diminish uh, my enjoyment at don't stop by saying sloppy is my uh <laughs> it's my comfort friday night routine but you know it's, it don't stop like 20 minutes so you get a new song and i'll just kind of pop that on wherever i am and it's not part of the meal <laughs> prep routine but uh yeah <laughs> uh, those are the things i'd say i mean that's what i'm enjoying and and the criterion channel so <laughs> and uh, yeah and uh, canopy right what's that canopy and you got canopy yeah canopy? Get, you know get a library card you know get canopy it's pretty great but yeah so that's that's uh those are just things i've been enjoying and and you know i'm hopefully i'll have uh stuff i make to promote <laughs> of my own here uh sometime this year but uh nothing nothing at the moment okay well I, first of all thank you very much for doing this yeah i appreciate your time this is great and um thank you all for listening take care please wear a mask and uh stay safe and practice empathy thank you goodbye